G'day, it's Scotty from Zenium Real Wealth and this is our November 2019 Australian Property Markets Update. We always make sure that we say it's property markets, not market, because there's more than one market in Australia and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. There's lots and lots of different markets. So a big welcome to all that are watching live and of course that are listening later on on our podcast or watching on YouTube, Facebook uh, after the event. Okay, let's kick straight into it. And right now, we're going to look at, we always take a look at where we are on the property clock. So we'll take a look at Philip Anderson's property clock and uh, see what it has to say where we're at to right now. Okay, <clears throat> so, and there we have it. So we have our 24-hour Philip Anderson clock, and he's been very kind to put some dates on that for us. So this is Phil's interpretation of where we are, and we're sitting over here at the 11, 12 sort of time frame coming into 11 or 12 o'clock, which is our 2019 to 2020 mid-cycle slowdown. And unless you've been living under a rock, I would suggest that uh, that's pretty apparent that that is exactly where we're at. Uh, if you believe in how Phil runs his clock, then you would know that this is the mid-cycle slowdown and the things have been a little bit turbulent of late, and I guess you could say that. There was a whole bunch of negative information early in the year, and we're seeing that change slightly as we go towards the end of the year. Uh, but we've got to take everything with a pinch of salt and knowing where we're getting the information from because, of course, everybody wants to know what's going on, and there's only a few people that think they actually have a bit of a clue. And we'll jump straight on to news for the month just gone. Actually... Probably one of the least exciting months in terms of headline news that we have seen. Uh, and we see things like interest rates on hold. Okay. So interest rates on hold for the month of November. I don't know if that was particularly a big uh, surprise to anyone. It's really difficult when you get to this point in interest rates. If you're at a 10% interest rate and you dropped 0.25%, you go, oh, yeah, that's a bit of difference. But if you're, you know, 0.75% on interest rates and you drop 0.25%, then in reality, uh, that's like a 30% drop. Now, does it have an effect larger than it does when you're at 10%? Well, it doesn't seem to. What seems to be happening is not a whole heap at all. So this article here it's just telling you that interest rates haven't changed for this month. And once again, if you didn't know that, then now you do. Uh, and it just breaks down what the RBA is saying. And, and look, what they say, it's hard to know whether they print these reports out, the RBA, because they've made a decision on interest rates and then they do the report and says, well, this supports our decision, or whether their decision supports the report. So it's pretty, you can make your own mind up about that. But, of course, anything you see in the report is going to reflect the fact that they left interest rates on hold. There's also conjecture whether there's going to be interest rates drop again as we come into the new year and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, we don't have any control over this. So why should it really matter to you uh, other than it affecting your pocket if banks pass on any part of that rate? And, of course, they never seem to pass on the whole lot. So that's it for there. Okay, interest rates on hold. We'll skip past that one now. We've got general market news for the month of November. 
surprisingly, we've seen some month-on-month gains. And this article from BMT, which are pretty good because they're quantity surveyors, uh, they're not so much uh, property spruikers, <clears throat> they're talking about the largest month-on-month gain since 2015. So national dwelling prices jumped 1.2% throughout October, okay? So that's what they're talking about there. Uh, and Melbourne overtook Sydney to claim the title of the best performing capital city, recording a 2.3% increase in dwelling values over this month. 2.3% increase. Look, <clears throat> I always think it's very difficult to say that you've had a 2.3% or 1% or 10% or whatever it is in a month. You're looking at a very, very select portion of data. Uh, and the fact is, there's not a chance in the world that you're talking about the same houses. So it's not like the same houses sold that month in in October and they sold again in September or they sold again in November. Like it's not the same houses, different houses. So it's very difficult to see this, but we have to follow trend lines. That's really what they're talking about. So it's property data is not like shares data where it's exact like for like shares. Obviously, properties only sell every seven to 10 years or 50 years, depending how long they're in the family or how long they own it. So it's very difficult to get what I would call accurate data on same exact same stock. So the worst performing city was Perth, declining over the month, right? So they're saying the downward trend in Perth has continued. There's mixed reports coming out of Perth and that does depend on where you are looking in that city, uh, which of course is like any city in Australia. All right, we've got the financial review talking about here that Aussie property prices set to break record highs by the start of next year. Okay, that's good. Property prices are soaring in Australia like it's 2015. Well, that's only four years ago. There's probably other examples we could go back to there. Maybe, you know, 206, maybe, you know, 201, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, And it's the usual story, which is not particularly incorrect, but it is great for investors and bad for first homeowners. So first homeowners, Sorry, guys, you've had your six-month window and now it's all back to the investors, obviously, according to the Fin Review. So if housing values continue at the same rate recorded in the past three months, which, of course, is a totally logical way to look at forecasting, (laughs) let's take a three-month window and say, well, we'll extrapolate that for three years. Um, National dwelling values could reach a new record high in six months' time, CoreLogic Tim Lawless said. Okay. Last quarter, values have jumped an astonishing 2.9%, which is just under 1% a month, okay? So there we have it, <clears throat> under 1% a month. So 1% a month, your property's going up. So if you've got $600,000 property, congratulations, you just made six grand. Okay, if that was to continue, blah, 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 regain the losses entirely that we've had uh, by April next year. Now that actually brings us back to uh, the overall property cycle and how that works. So I'll chuck that back up there. Is that if we do see that mid cycle slowdown, which is what we're seeing now, we're coming out of that, then it's the second stage of the property cycle boom. And we see a whole bunch of stuff happening and the real estate activity is full steam ahead. What that means is in, in my research, what we normally find is the peak of the first half of the cycle, I'm not gonna to touch on this too much today because I'll do a, a, a own video just on this, but I'll just tell you about it. 
the peak of the first half of the cycle is very much where the end of the second part of the cycle finishes after the downturn. So let me break it down to you. If we see property prices started in Sydney, for example, let's say as an average, is all averages, and we're sitting at uh, 300,000 in um, 08, and they get to say 500,000, I'm just pick, picking figures, right guys, 500,000 uh, at, uh, where were we at? So we went 08, we come out of, so in so 11, 300,000, we go up to 500,000 at 2018, right? So the peak of the first half of the cycle, they're gonna come off the boil and that might sit at 420 or whatever the price, whatever it's softened, right? By say 15% or so. Um, then we will see those prices potentially can move up to say your sevens in the second part of the cycle. This is according to the, to the traditional Phil Anderson clocks that we've seen over the years previously. And then at the end of that cycle, like GFC part two, whenever that happens, that'll drop 30%. So we sort of back down at that 500-ish mark. And I'll draw that on a whiteboard on one of the videos and I'll send it out to you guys. But essentially that's how it works. So we've created a floor in the market by the first half of the cycle. And in the second half of the cycle, uh, we just, all that cream. And if you're stuck there and you're stuck buying at a time when it's too expensive and you can't hold, then that's a problem. If you've bought in the previous years, then you're going to get along for the ride and you'll get some value increase and then it'll probably come back and then it'll, another cycle will start again after that. And that's how that one works. All right. <clears throat> Sydney property prices could hit new highs within six months. So this is the same article again. Uh, this one's focused on Sydney, not so much uh, the Melbourne. Uh, and it, the Sydney housing market's on track to post a recovery within six months, okay? Now that's pretty impressive if that's the case because that would really be no more than a 12 to 18 month downturn which is essentially what happens in a mid-cycle and uh, you know dates pending we'll see what that has to say uh, and we'll see how that comes about all right we've got auction so core logic is here we've got uh, the auction clearance rates uh, for the week just gone and these guys are that good that they even predict what's happening this weekend that's how impressive CoreLogic is. So upcoming auctions, uh, there's quite a few. Sydney, Melbourne's got a large number of auctions there. Perth's never big on auctions. Brisbane's never big on auctions and that sort of thing. But Sydney, Melbourne are the two biggest. Uh, and the summary of last week's auction results was 2,412 capital city homes were taken to auctions. So that's a 50%, 55% increase in volumes over the week and an average clearance rate of 70.6%. Now, I'm not too held up on auction clearance rates. I think that uh, there's a mixture of real data and agent data, and some agent data I trust and some not, and the problem is it's all in the mix and I don't know what's what. So I think that you take that very much with a grain of salt, uh, but it, there it is, and we're looking at a weighted average of 70.6% of the auction clearance rate across the whole of the capital cities for last week all right let's have a look here we'll look at this month's htw property report okay november 19 all right so htw as you know we look at this report every month we sort of break it down this is a really interesting one in fact it must have been the most boring month in property because uh, they chose to theme it and they talked all about expensive properties. So there's not a whole bunch 
of information in this report this month about general market and that sort of thing. But it is actually one of the most interesting reports from them I've read all year. And I would suggest you jump on there and download it. I've put the website on the screen there. It's www.hdw.com.au forward slash month hyphen in hyphen review. Okay. And so you go and download and that'll subscribe you uh, every month anyway. Uh, and what these guys go on to talk about this month is what they call eye candy property. Where is it? Eye candy property in 2019. Okay. And uh, let me get rid of that little banner. And you can see the properties that they were talking about on the picture. Uh, pretty impressive sort of stuff. Uh, it's actually a really, really good read uh, to break the states down. What it showed me was that unexpectedly, there has been a lot of prices being held in the top part of the market. And when I say unexpectedly, because if you're in the normal part of the property market, you would think, oh, well, we've seen prices change, we've seen this happen, and maybe that happens everywhere. What hasn't happened is in the top end of the market, those prices are strong. And even in centres that I wouldn't have expected, like regional centres in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland, where uh, you're talking about prices of property that uh, are holding very strong. So this is the commercial. We go to the yellow section. We scroll through here. Where are we? Get to Queensland. Uh, Gladstone, Harvey Bay, Bundaberg, Emerald. Like there was a lot of pricing there uh, that stayed very, very strong. Mackay, for example, uh, it's it's very, very strong. We got a five point. Uh, sorry, that's it's the town before Sunshine Coast. Five point two five million on Sunshine Coast. Uh, we've got one one million in Mackay. I mean, that's pretty high figures. One point seven five is one of the highest recorded sales in Mackay's in the past twelve months which is on Beach Road, Dolphin Heads, $1.73 million. Okay, so we've seen a lot of this stuff happening in these regional centres, which can be good buying for someone moving from, say, Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and I can't tell you who the people were that bought those properties. Were they, were they interstate? Were they overseas? Who knows what? Um, or were they locals? And that's what I don't know. So that's, that's what you've got to read into the data. But that simple fact is that we have seen those high prices being held um, in those towns for the past year. It's been actually quite interesting. All right, we're going to go back up here to the property clock for HTW. There we are, the national property clock, and I'll make that as big as I can, get my head out of the way. And when I said it was a boring month, I mean it. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar and that are actually looking at the screen, the towns in orange are the ones that have had movement from the month before, which means the towns that are in the grey, uh, which is predominantly everything on the clock bar two, are in the same position they were last month. So that is how boring the property market has been this month in terms of movement and activity, uh, is that only two towns out of all those towns have actually had any sort of change on the HDW clock. And they were Hobart and Davenport, okay? And they have moved from a start of recovery to a rising market in those areas, according to HTW. So just to be aware of what we're looking at, uh, we're looking at the bottom of the market for cash flow, we're looking at the declining market sides for discounted buying, and we're looking at the rising market for development and sort of renos or whatever it is that takes your fancy. And I can show you that 
on here, which is according to our Xenium compass, compass here, we've got our cash flow down the bottom. We've got our discounted buying in the blue. And then we've got our development over here on this side there. So that's how that works according to us and HCW. So that's kind of an interesting but not an interesting month because it's interesting in the fact that it's probably the least amount of movement I've ever seen on a clock for a long time. Uh, and that in itself makes it actually pretty interesting. All right, so that's enough for HCW right now. We'll jump on to the Sunshine Coast report from Terry Ryder. Now, uh, let's have a look at this. Okay, Terry Ryder did a free report. You can jump on to his website and grab that uh, at your liking. Jump on to hotspotting.com.au and he has put this report out right at the end of October and it says it's uh, Australia's most compelling growth story, the Sunshine Coast. Okay, now there's a lot of good information. I like a lot of the stuff that Terry Ryder puts in his uh, documentation. Uh, not everyone always agrees on opinions, but I like a lot of the data he puts in there about infrastructure and changes and other bits and pieces. We'll skip through the executive summary and we'll go to the introduction here. Okay, so we're saying that it is one of Australia's fastest, sorry, Terry's saying it's one of Australia's fastest developing economies. And it's growing each rate each year at rates well above national averages, expected to expand to 33 billion by 2033. So that's fine, but let's look at population. So we've got 350,000 people on the Sunshine Coast. It's actually set to overtake this New South Wales Central Coast and become Australia's ninth largest urban area, which is actually, it's actually pretty impressive. Uh, and that's to a population of 500,000 within 20 years. Okay, so that's larger than the current populations of Canberra and Newcastle. Uh, there's a whole bunch of projects uh, under construction or approved that are totally more than $20 billion. Uh, and they're even pushing some of the projects that are in Adelaide and Perth in terms of infra uh, infrastructure and project spend. So he mentions here Bernard Salt, oh, the old Bernard, he's always good for his information. Uh, he's referred to Sunshine Coast as the entrepreneurship capital of Australia. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad. Does it mean that people go there to try businesses and they, they work or they don't work? I don't know. Who knows? But uh, he thought it prudent to put that information from Bernard in there. Uh, but realistically, it's that population growth and that spend that's important with the new airport. They've had the hospital, but that's just, you know, 40% of the spend in that health precinct. precinct. There's $5 billion being spent there. There's 1.8 on the hospital. So it's pretty impressive to see what's going on there. Uh, they're talking about an international broadband network, which is a cable connecting Australia, uh, sorry, the Sunshine Coast and Asia. Uh, and there'll be flights that I've heard going direct to China in three years time because of the new airport expansion. So Sunshine Coast, worthy a look. That report is worthy a read. If you're looking at investing in a regional centre, uh, that's important to have a look at that. And of course, some of the things that have happened on the Sunshine Coast already is a $440 million expansion on the Sunshine Plaza. And for those of you that are locals, uh, can decide whether that's good or bad. Uh, it's more parking and uh, more shops and pretty fancy and definitely covers a lot of ground. But it's the first super regional shopping centre. Okay, so it's Queensland's first super regional shopping centre. So whatever that means could be just words, but I can tell you it's pretty big and it is got a lot of shops there that they didn't have before. So jump on to uh, hotspotting.com.au and check out that report. And that's what Terry has to say. All right, let's look here at 
Christmas and beyond. Actually, before I do that, I'm going to chuck this in here. I come across this uh, article yesterday from the Fin Review. And this is always a good one to chuck in. And we chucked it on our property, uh, a couple of our property pages there yesterday and got some comments. So the Reserve Bank gets the money printers ready. So I'm putting this here in this order because we're about to talk about Christmas and you know the year ahead. And I think that if we premise it with this, we might have an idea of what we're actually talking about. So I've seen quite a few of these articles in say the past two to three months. And it all ties in with uh, QE or the stimulus or even negative interest rates. And I remember, and I'm going to compile them. I'm doing an article at the moment on uh, uh, India's cash uh, changes, the biometrics, our cash, that sort of thing, and tying it into property. And that'll come out in the coming weeks. But what I wanted to touch on was the fact that I've seen the RBA language go from, no, 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 we're never going to do negative interest rates to, uh, look, it's highly unlikely we're going to do negative interest rates to whatever they're about to talk about now. So here's how it works. When there's something that wants to be talked about in the open sort of discussion forum, a topic will be started and it'll be a negative about it. No, 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 we're not going to do that. But it's actually out in the open. And so the more and more you hear about negative interest rates, negative interest rates, even if you don't know what that means, or QE, quantitative easing, whatever it is, um, unconventional monetary policy. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard them talk about that for a few months. You have no idea what they're talking about or what it actually means, but it's already familiar to you. So when things actually do happen and things get changed, it's not as much of a shock to the system. My gut feel is that we've gone from Australia never having negative interest rates to the more they talk about it, the more I think it's potentially likely. And I'll cover that in my cash report coming out in a couple of weeks' time. But this article here uh, is a premise to what I'm going to talk about with our Christmas news coming up here. And it's the last line. Where are we? And it says, and I quote, the board still assessed that lower rates would support the economy via lower exchange rate, higher asset prices, and a boost to aggregate household disposable income. So essentially, RBA has made the mandate of putting, they want more cash in the system and they want higher asset prices and a lower exchange rate for that trade overseas. And what is that going to do? Well, higher asset prices, I mean, it talks about it there. You don't need to be a genius to say, what does that do to the property market? because uh, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about higher asset prices across the board. A boost to household disposable income, what does that do? What do people do? Well, they go and buy stuff. They buy cars or they buy property. Or That's the RBA's idea. I'm not saying that it's actually going to work out that way, but this is where they're planning to take the economy. If that is the case and that actually happens, what happens to property prices? Well, I think that we're going to see quite a lot of movement in property prices. All right, we've got, uh, here we go. We've got Michael joining us. G'day, Michael, how are you going? Apparently prices are going to boom again in the city of Melbourne. Yes, sorry, Matt, I didn't get to your uh, to your comment early enough and we have con we covered that and I know you would have seen that because you are a loyal watcher and thanks for watching. And thanks for your comment because it ties straight into our next, our next article here. And I'll make that bigger. And sorry, Michael, I'll get rid of you because... Everyone can read the screen then. All right. Dwelling prices tipped for double-digit gains in Sydney and Melbourne. So there you go. Almost like Michael had that question prepared for me, but he didn't, I can assure you, because we are live and we're global here at Zenium Real Wealth. And this is live today, this article, November 14. 
All right, dwelling prices in Melbourne could rise by 15% the next year and Sydney could jump by 14% amid strong population growth and cheap credit, new research predicts. All right, we're not going to go too much into that, but you can read that article there. It's on the Domain website, which, of course, has known for being uh, highly supportive in the property market because that's their business. Uh, but they do from time to time actually put other things out about negative property market. But I thought it was interesting that this came out today when I was going to do this uh, live. And so, yeah, look it up, domain.com.au, dwelling prices tipped for double-digit gains in Sydney and Melbourne. Of course, if you're getting those gains there, you've got your lesser capital cities. I don't mean lesser, I mean lesser in size because, you know, if you live in Brisbane, Adelaide or Perth, you get upset if I call it lesser, uh, that they're going to have gains as well that would flow on. You know, Perth is the one there that we're all watching according to Mining Boom, and we've got some thoughts on that. We might do a special mining report uh, as our our training for this month because I'm compiling a bit of information on that that says that Mining Boom is happening before your eyes. So that's probably it for us at the moment. Uh, let's have a look here. Christmas and beyond. Right, so I've been asked a couple of times this week what's happening at Christmas and how's that market go? Well, in general, there's a real fren frenzy for the next... Uh, month coming to Christmas and then by middle of December it all dies. Uh, don't bother trying to sell your house two weeks before Christmas. It's not going to happen. Um, not only is not anyone interested because they're all busy shopping and doing whatever and finishing work for the year, um, agents really couldn't be bothered because they're going to take some time off. Don't try and start any construction uh, or renos anytime really from December onwards because you're highly likely not going to get uh, your uh, you're not going to get your um, your job finished. And the other fact is that uh, every all the trades go away for at least, you know, the 20th of December to probably the 15th of Jan um, or beyond that. What normally happens coming into January is there's a whole bunch of listings come on the market. And there is a lot of activity because we're all lemmings and we've all had Christmas and we all think that the new year is great and we're moving forward. And what actually happens is we set goals and we say, oh, Christmas is through, now I'm going to sell that house. Or Christmas is through, this year I'm going to buy investment property. And so we see a big uptick in activity from January onwards. Uh, what we don't see is the RBA meeting in January. Uh, so all that talk about interest rates, uh, we don't have that. So there's actually kind of a stable market going in from January and February because there isn't that normal sort of talk in the market. What you will see is a whole bunch of uh, media come out with 2020, this is what's going to happen or so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it's up to you what you think about that stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're looking to buy property, you can get some good deals before December. If you can settle before Christmas and people want that done in their head, sometimes there's that psychological, oh, if I can be out of this house by Christmas, I'll let you have it at, you know, 30 grand under or whatever. So there is some good room for negotiation. But as we move closer to Christmas, that all disappears and you're better off acting again in the new year because if you can't get a solicitor to settle your property, uh, which they will go on holidays for at least two weeks over Christmas, then there's not much point trying to go to contract at all. All right, if you want to contact us on any information to do with Zenium and anything that's going on, I'll put the email address on the screen now. That's hello at zenium.property. There's no .coms, no .au's. We are just zenium.property. So if you've got any questions on anything you've seen, let us know. And, of course, if you want to join Zenium, you need to log on there and you will get uh, quite a lot of information each week on our email. You get all the videos I do that send out uh, and you get notified of all our live events like this. Okay? So jump on to zenium.property 
forward slash join and you will be able to join up to a group of like-minded people that gets great information and no BS. All right, that's it for me. I'm Scotty from Zenium Wearable Wealth. This is our November 2019 Australian Property Markets Review. Remember, there's more than one market in Australia and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Until next week, we will do our Proportunities Update, which will bring you some good deals from all these uh, locations that we've talked about on the HCW clock, aligning them with the Anderson clock, with where they are in the cycle, and of course, our Xenium Action Compass telling you what you should do and where. And we'll bring that to you next Thursday at lunchtime. All right, that's it. Stay well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.